0: My name is Jenny.
1: My name is Ted.
0: My name is Gray. And,
1: and this, this is anamorphology.
2: The invasion. the visitor, the encounter, the message, the predator, the capture, the stranger, the secret. Am- the secret, the and the forgot, the reaction the chain, the undiscaled the the warning, the, the decision, the spot of the single discovery, the proposed threat, threat, threat. the, weakness, the conspiracy life, the, the separation, the, the, the deception, the sacrifice, the diversion, the beginning. Hey, what did we read this week? On this
0: week's episode, The Alien.
2: The Alien. Yay. So, apparently there's an alien in this one. Do you want to tell us about it, Greg? I do. Uh,
0: this is Axe. Axe gets to be our narrator this Woo. week. The book is, therefore, predictably hilarious and spacey. <laughs> <laughs> spacey in
2: so many ways. Spacey in so many ways.
0: Um, it starts on the Andalite ship, and Axe describes the battle that got him onto Earth to begin with, kind of started this whole thing. Then they sort of fast forward, and now we're, we're all caught up, and Axe wants to go to the movies. It does not go well. <laughs> then, as we remember from book seven, which was two episodes ago, the team destroyed the local Candrona raid generator thing. There's no evidence that it worked until now, but they see a controller outside that movie theater whose yerk is dying, and that controller is killed by a police officer controller. Then Axe goes to school with Jake, also goes poorly. But one of Jake's teachers also experiences his Yerk dying and Chapman kills him. So Axe reveals that the controllers will kill any human controller whose Yerk dies in order to keep their secrets. And Jake gets really angry at Axe for keeping information from the Animorphs. Marco takes, is going to take Axe to a bookstore, but instead they detour to Marco's house and Axe rewrites some software code on Marco's dad's computer and accidentally pushes human technology forward about a century because Axe is an idiot. And <laughs> Axe realizes he might be able to use this tech to communicate with his parents. So he and Tobias break into an, the local observatory, I guess, and he gets in touch with his home planet. He speaks to some general who convinces him to take the blame for Elf and Gore breaking the law to give humans morphing ability and also talks to his father who reiterates that Axe must avenge his brother's death by killing Visser Three. So that's cool. Axe is then interrupted by a human controller who also wants to get revenge on Visser Three and tells Axe where to find him. Jake and the other Animorphs realize Axe is keeping secrets from them, demands that he gives them their inf- the information, and then when he doesn't, they kick him out of the group. It's really sad. Mm. So Axe goes to attack this or three and almost manages to kill him. Then the other animorphs show up to help, yay. Uh, but the Yerk escapes, although Axe nearly kills the Angelite host. And Axe realizes his true allegiances to the humans and to the animorphs, and he tells them everything they need to know and promises to fight alongside them, and it's great. Kind of. Yay.
2: <laughs> wow,
1: what happens in this book?
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> it's an interesting book. There's no like central plot thing mm-hmm. the way there is usually like they're not like trying to destroy the Candrona or even trying to get Axe back to his home world it's like a a series of thing episodes that are tying together to this mm-hmm. problem where Axe is keeping secrets right
1: but I mean Axe sure has an arc in this book oh yeah Axe <laughs> definitely has an arc
0: it's yeah. the biggest I think character arc we've seen in in yeah. a single book
2: maybe maybe Tobias accepting that he's a bird yes. was like maybe more emotional but this is like a maybe a bigger change mm-hmm yeah. Very
0: good. It's it's character-driven in a way that a lot of the other ones are plot-driven, and this has a lot of plotty bits, but it's also about Axe and who he is and what he's going to decide and mm-hmm. his backstory. We get a lot of the history of the Andalites and right. the Yurks, which I loved. Right, mm-hmm. and I
1: had in my head that the bit with the seventh book where they destroyed the Candrona was kind of like an act break and like mm-hmm. it was like a big victory, mm-hmm. but this book really deals with the fallout of that victory in such an interesting way, and it mm-hmm. complicates... The N-wars have really complicated feelings about what the results of this uh, okay. mission were. Mm-hmm. And Axe is kind of conveniently here to take the fall for that a little bit. It keeps rolling, right? And maybe next book, the Kendrona will be back and there won't be any more fallout from this kind of thing. Or, or maybe it will keep kind of ping-ponging forward.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a really good point because this is one of the books that has the most sort of moral quandaries as well Mm. this is something that we've talked about before the moral philosophy of these books and this is one where that's a big part of this book is yeah
2: quandaries yeah we have we have the killing in cold blood thing come up which came up for us in book six but really didn't come up for the characters like they just weren't that wasn't on the radar for them even while they were doing it Mm -hmm. and now it sort of comes up and Tobias is like hey I'm not judging like they seem to accept this as a thing that's maybe okay to do, um, but it's in the, in the forefront. And then there's also the way that the Yerks are dealing with their controllers who maybe would spread the word about them, and not at all surprising. Actually, one of the things that I found a little unrealistic about this book was that so many of the animorphs were like there'll be controllers who are free of their yurks and they'll tell everyone and everyone will find out and even Marco wasn't like no they'll obviously just kill them like that seems really obvious <laughs> just like yeah. incredibly yeah. obvious
1: yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. that they're so uh,
2: naive they're so naive hopeful about that even yeah.
1: Jake it's 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 almost out of character that he's so willing to be optimistic and hopeful and like to I feel the like extent it's that more he... out of
2: character for Marco
1: but Jake he gives the game away right he tells um, Ooh, the teacher yeah. that he knows what's going on and it's they get saved by the fact that the Yurks are ruthless <laughs> killers right if not yeah, that would true. have been the end of the animorphs right and so jake jake is kind of like he lets he lets hope get the better of him in a really destructive or way or his
2: own trauma really like he went through this and so that's why he yeah is exactly identifying he so has really with, with thought yeah, through his empathy for sure
0: Right, I mean, he's, he knows what he's going through and sees somebody hurting and is unable to take a step back and say, I understand you're hurting, but actually, <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to
2: go through this well, on your own. We, I shouldn't tell you that I've been through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah, and they, they have this ongoing struggle of, we won't hurt the Yerks. The only way to hurt the Yerks is through the controllers. And mm-hmm. they've dealt with that a little bit, but I feel like it's something they're continuing to face. Like, they hadn't realized that they would be killing the hosts when they kill the Yerks who die because the kendrona is gone. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and he says, you know, you should have told us, Axe, you should have told us. And Axe's response is a little bit what you were just saying. Well, like, Like why were you so naive? Like, why did you think this was going to happen? Right. And in particular, Jake, again, has a soft spot around tom yeah right because it's like it's like it's not really you didn't tell us and we weren't thinking strategically enough it's like my brother could have died and you didn't let me own that choice in the way that that i want to
2: weirdly the response wasn't you should have known it was if you'd known maybe you wouldn't have done it which felt a little disingenuous like that's not really why he didn't tell them but it felt like he was kind of grasping for things
1: Right. Jake's feeling guilty and Axe's mindset, it's interesting that he's coming from this like warrior culture Mm -hmm. that has in some way prepared him for the reality of this being a war in the Mm -hmm. way that the Animorphs are still grappling with. Axe is like, well, we did this, you know, it's war. And Jake is like, "Uh, you can say it's war, but you know, I I hate this. Like, this is (laughs) terrible. And Axe is like, well, we always say love the warrior, hate the war. Um, and then jake's response is like is that
2: a wise andalite saying right right
1: right right, right. and he's really mad he's like he takes on this posture of like oh well you andalites must be like manipulating us you must think we're so like primitive or whatever mark has
0: that reaction too
1: right but it's like it's really they just don't want to deal with the fact that exactly it's exactly it's convenient that they they don't have to own the consequences of their choice they can blame ax in this moment
2: and because he hasn't really made himself part of the group yet, like he really hasn't committed to the group at the start of this, like he's figured out that he's not going to easily be able to go home, but like he's sort of in this limbo and he hasn't had his like elucidation event.
0: The the grappling with the consequences of their actions is it's interesting that it comes up as a response to the Candrona raids and seeing these, mm-hmm. these people be killed, and not in response to the other deaths that they have caused. Um, directly or indirectly.
2: Right, yeah. Well, they haven't caused as many human deaths, and I think that that really hits closer to home for them. In a way, it maybe shouldn't. But yeah.
1: they, they sort of have caused a bunch of human deaths. Yeah, they
2: kind of have, haven't they? <laughs> right.
1: We were talking when they're in the hospital in book six. Acts yeah. as like chopping off people's hands and stuff, right? They don't. And
2: even in book one, but I guess that was such a blur. They can kind of shut that out. They don't think about the Yurt Pool nightmare. Right.
0: But they've directly killed humans too, mm-hmm. right? The, the in book one, the police officer. Oh, we don't have to worry about him anymore.
2: We don't really know exactly what happened, but he'd probably, he'd, yeah.
0: He's probably dead. Um, so I he is like... dead,
2: he might have been killed in a fireball, but, like, he's dead.
0: Right. So I think it's interesting that this is the way that really hits home. And I wonder if, as you point out, if maybe it's because it's Tom, it, it strikes closer to home than these random strangers. But it just seemed really interesting. They were grappling with it so hard.
2: I think part of it was that they had this hope, like, well, they they thought, saw that as such a victory, which it was, like destroying the Candrona, and we find out from... Esalen, is that his name? We find out some more, like, yeah, that really hurt them in ways that the Animorphs hadn't seen. And it was a victory, but also they get from it this hope that, like, oh, these these people are, are going to be free, maybe the word will be spread, and people will know, and we'll get to end this fight, and then they, like, I think that makes it a much harder crash. Right. When, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's like, well, what is the winning scenario for the Animorphs? What does it look like? If it's not oh well people will suddenly just all be like you know liberated from the yurks and it'll be it'll be magically wonderful and okay right like it's obviously going to be messy i guess it's in here a little bit the andalites coming to save the day was this thing that's right we need to hold out until the andalites
2: get here and
1: now that we're getting a closer look it's suddenly a (laughs) lot more complicated and you Mm -hmm. wonder whether Mm -hmm. the the andalite axe talks to is like oh so earth is lost (laughs) <laughs> right, that's his first. That's oh, his So we first should write
2: sunset. that off. Yeah, just grasp right, that off Yeah, okay. Ways?
1: So like, I'll just call the ships back. Right, <laughs> which is that's he's not like, like, no, no, no. Like, uh,
2: great.
1: I'm not sure. The End Wars will probably grapple with that at some point in the future. But it's it, it's it's bad. It's messy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I will say also this might be the first time they've seen someone die who they knew. Is that true? Because like they knew that they knew the teacher. Like Jake basically mm. saw him like die right in front of him.
0: Mm. There have been other people at mm. risk, like Tom, mm-hmm. like
2: Marco's mom, but I don't think anyone else who's died has been someone they mm-hmm. knew as well as, like, their own teacher. That's a good point. Yeah, should we talk about the Andalites? Because it's an interesting view of them Yeah, this book.
1: Great, what's your take?
2: Warrior societies are almost universally a roll
0: dumb. <laughs> the, the hierarchy just has to be so strict in in a warrior society because you need to know who you're reporting to and who they're reporting to. But mm-hmm. this is like, you have a prince, and then you have a... Captain, over War the Prince, Prince. Yeah. Yeah. Over <laughs> Prince, and then there was the general, Great Leader. Great Leader, I call him General throughout my notes because I can remember his name and I didn't care. Um, but who's but democratically elected or something? Yeah, but. yeah. So like the Great Leaders are yeah, democratically yeah, yeah, yeah. elected. We know what that means, right? Sometimes, but in but by and like, and there's a strong military force, and it seems like they're very led by their sense of honor
2: and duty. The ritual they had to go through around Elfinger's death.
1: Oh yeah, swearing revenge, officially.
2: It's like before they can even have a human conversation about it, it's like, and does his murderer live? And will you take on the burden of this revenge? Yeah. It is. It's very messed up, and it's it puts an incredible amount of pressure on Axe,
0: uh, who is, as we discussed, just a kid like them. So there's pressure on him. Also, there's no flexibility. And I want to talk a little bit more about what we learn about the Andalite backstory,
2: I want to say just there's a lot of Andalite exceptionalism happening. It, like, if they really felt like the Americans to me, they, they, the that. Americans of the galaxy, like they think of themselves as the only people competent to save everyone. If something bad happens, they like they they take on the guilt of it, maybe to a disproportionate extent which is, like, a little bit different than I feel like how Americans do it. But, like, one thing that really struck me was the way they called Visser three the abomination. It's, like, there are so many people in this galaxy, like, different species who are being controlled. But the, if an Andalite yeah, is the being single controlled, Andalite is such a that's an mark. abomination. Right. And it's, like, it reminds me of how Americans react. And, like, that... Yeah, and your yeah. loyalty
1: to your, your people, your country, right? Like, yeah having a second allegiance is is a problem. It's
2: probably not as specific to Americans. Probably a lot of countries are like this. But Americans have seen themselves as sort of like the people who can save the world, and that's very much how the Andalites are positioning themselves.
1: Gray, I think you make a good point about how it weighs so heavily on Acts. We've seen in previous books, he kind of has these like quippy sayings, and they were like, okay, but like, have you actually ever fought for Bajir? Because like, it's kind of the worst, (laughs) right? And and even at the beginning of this book, he's... um, doing his ritual he's keeping trained and he has this mantra in his head that he has to defeat viscer three because he's like honor bound to do it and then after he talks to the uh the andalites and his father he one first has that like horrible disillusionment where they make him lie to cover for Elfangor because yeah. they're like well we, we have don't to,
2: we can't sully his we don't want to sully
1: his image so we're gonna blame so who cares you, about you yeah for <laughs> right right breaking the law and stuff like that but then he has to he has to swear revenge, and after that point, there's a different version of the the morning ritual for when he's gonna basically go on this suicide mission. Mm-hmm. And he thinks like at one point he thinks this is an honor. This is running into the hands of death, right? He like mm. he he hasn't quite gotten to the point where he like can make a choice to escape it, but he's.
2: He recognizes how horrible it is. Yeah,
1: and it yeah. or it just it like really weighs him down. He's basically resigned to suicide. Like his father's like, yeah, you should get yourself killed. And that's and it seems like maybe dark. he
2: does that. Like, why does he start demorphing as soon as he bites? That was so stupid. Like, why wouldn't you just get into the forest and then demorph? Right. And it seems like it's cause yeah. He's and he to does. Die.
1: There's there's sort of like no way out. Um, and it's compounded by his feeling of loneliness. Right. Where yeah. uh, sort of all he has to cling to is this dumb code um, yeah. until thankfully. The antlers rescue him.
2: So I have a theory. You were talking about how this weighs really heavily on Axe. I think this is why we see him behave the way he does in his human morph. Because he's he's a pretty exaggerated version of someone who's just discovered taste, who's, like, trying to walk on two legs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually more like how he is or how he would like to be. Like, he kind of wants to be this, like goofy kid but when he's in his andalite body he's so so aware of like mm-hmm. the andalite honor and how he's an andalite arist and he has to like uphold this honor and he's the only andalite on earth and he has to be the representative of this species and then he's in human morph and suddenly he's free and he can like eat all the cinnamon rolls That's so true yeah yeah or like he's leaning
0: into the instincts
2: like mm-hmm.
0: how we talked about rage escape yes. yeah kind of yeah. taking over the bear so she can relax into that and if he kind of relaxes into the very dumb human instinct <laughs> um, then he gets
2: to yeah. do things like It's like he's out in a bar in a strange city he can do whatever the heck he wants no one knows him there yeah. what happens in human morph stays in human morph <laughs> <ward. laughs> <That's laughs> Is totally, human morph is his Vegas That's totally <laughs> perfect. true
0: Yeah the um, Leaning into being a human thing, I thought the the movie theater bit was a oh great gosh. indication of this, that.
1: This book is so funny. It's,
0: I laughed
2: out loud so many times. It's So funny. <laughs>
1: he he's so everything he does is so ridiculous, but he's such a dry narrator at the same time, and the contrast <laughs> is the, the ultimate story.
2: Yeah.
0: And we've talked about before whether they they can't figure out whether he has a sense of humor, he's just got, or his sense of humor is just very very dry. And I think we're seeing here that it is very, just a very dry sense yeah, of humor. Yeah. And some extent, he's just not really understanding what's happening a Politics, little bit of the time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And just like the, op- the narration provides such an opportunity for jokes <laughs> just for us. Mm-hmm. right, like right dramatic at the beginning, irony, yeah. Right at the beginning, you know, Jake says like, okay, let's do this. And the way Axel describes it, Jake said, making sounds with his mouth to form words, right? Because filling you in. Because if you're an Andalite, you're like you need to know what that what that is, right?
0: And Tobias points out that great, suddenly you have a sense of humor, which uh, is not helpful at that time. But the way that you phrase that makes me think that if you think of this as a diary, because each chapter starts mm-hmm. with a little diary entry, right? Which, oh, yeah. by the way, acts has a diary. I want to read it. Yeah. But if we frame this as his like report back to the Andalites, it is. Even better, because it's stuff like, oh, with his human mouth,
2: he was doing the talking thing. Right. I realized, when is it that Axe gets the sense of humor? Is it when he's going to the observatory? Okay, because remember in Marco's book, where he has a sense of humor until he decides he's out of this, and then he loses it, because the way he relates to the group is through his sense of humor, and Axe has has no sense of humor, apparently, until he's sort of is going off on his own on this rogue mission. And then he develops a sense of humor because the way he relates to the group is not through the humor. Like, the way he sees his role there is a little more constrained. Right. Interesting. I like that. (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of want to talk about this movie theater scene just because it was the best thing that's ever happened.
0: It's so funny and so gross.
2: First of all, why, why did they decide this was a good idea to go to the first hour of a movie? Who wants to leave after the first hour of a movie?
1: It doesn't make a lot of sense. Jake is like... We have to have a vacation. What do people do on vacation? They, <laughs> they go tried, to the movies. They tried
2: so hard in Megamorphs 1 to have a vacation. Totally failed. Total disaster. They're like, all right, we're going to do it now. And they want to teach Axe about human society. And so they go to a sci-fi movie. They go see... It must have been First Contact. Yeah. I looked up the movies, like Star Trek movies. They definitely went to go see a movie. So Trek it is 96. Movie. It's not 95. Yeah. that
0: up.
1: Axe is like, these effects are dumb.
2: <laughs> yeah, he gets bored immediately. And so, it, like, Jake and Marco's like, it's fictional. And is like, well, obviously. Right. I can tell. Ta- I do know what real interstellar spacecraft looks like. So this is clearly fictional.
0: <laughs> um, so many funny lines in this. I, besides mm-hmm. the Jake making sounds with his mouth <laughs> to form words, just before that, um, he has to go in his human form because he, he can't go in public in his Andalite form. Humans would be terrified, and the controllers would have tried to kill me, which would
2: have ruined the entire movie experience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good point i think that's where i wrote Uh, i think Axe's sense of humor is just very dry
1: and (laughs) there's a bit when they're like you're going to come to school with us for one day jake holds up a finger and ax says yes that is one
2: (laughs) i i liked marco doing the logistics for the movie and like switching back and forth between sarcasm and paranoia very like Comfortably, Those are his
0: languages. He does say, um, Axe points out, Marco said, using an inflection of his mouth sounds that humans (laughs) call sarcasm.
2: (laughs) Yes. So he recognizes sarcasm now. That's new. Right. That's very good. I loved the descriptions of the Animorphs. Prince Jake is large and pale in color with brown hair.
1: Yeah, this is, I think, the canonical explanation of what the Animorphs look like. Please continue. Oh,
2: I didn't write down beyond that. Oh, I have. have Here, I'll read the whole thing. Go for it, please.
1: Uh, My human friends have some differences, but each has only two legs, two arms, and two eyes. They each have one mouth. (laughs) Prince Jake is large and pale in color with brown hair. Cassie is shorter and darker in color with darker brown hair. Marco is also shorter and medium color with long brown hair. (laughs) Rachel is taller and pale and has yellow hair. None of them has any sort of tail.
2: (laughs) I'm so glad he cleared that up for us. There's also a bit later when he's describing... Cassie's dad, he's like, he had the normal number of arms and legs.
1: <laughs> he was also a male, as all human fathers are. <laughs> I missed
2: that. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I wonder uh, if that's uh, insight into candlelight uh, biology or technology.
0: Yeah. Um... He sees Rachel and Marco approaching through the crowd of humans and points out, My other human friends tell me that Rachel is beautiful and Marco is cute. As an Andalite, I don't observe either trait. However, when I am in my human morph, I begin to see that Rachel actually is very beautiful. Next paragraph. But I never see that Marco is
2: cute. Next
0: paragraph. (laughs) Protesting
2: too much? (laughs) Definitely protesting too much. So I did feel like Axe and Marco have an uphill climb after this book. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It it didn't support the ship as much as I wanted it to, but there's a lot of tension there, <laughs> and I think there's still potential.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of books in their future.
2: Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, I think there's it's that sort of scene in the rom-com where there's some sort of conflict. Someone has lied to the other person, <laughs> either on purpose or accidentally, and they're gonna have to spend some time getting over that before they can get together, Yeah, as inevitably they will.
2: And Marco is a very wary person. He has a lot mm. of trust issues, I think. I did like the thing, but humans seem fascinated by my stock eyes. One of the humans, Marco, has said they creep him out big time. I believe this is a compliment. Oh, it's <laughs> the basis of their romance, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to the movie scene... It was easier crawling yeah, he, he than eats walking. Eats chocolate
1: for the first time. Mm-hmm.
2: At least when I crawled, I had four legs. Also, the humans had coated the floor with sticky substances, which made it easier not to slip.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so gross. He Eats an entire box of popcorn, including the box. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, covered in grease. It
2: was grease and salt. His favorite flavors.
1: Just the image of him, because he he eats some raisinets and then sees a little kid holding some <laughs> raisinets, and he just starts shouting.
2: Please give me your brown globules. I asked globules, yules, mommy. Poor child. The thing where said the floor of the movie theater was filled with precious items.
0: I was trying to imagine what the brown globules are before they (laughs) tell you what it was. And I was like, okay, so what chocolate that you get at the movie theater would Axe be most likely to lose his damn mind over? (laughs) Milk
1: duds? I was also thinking milk duds Mm -hmm. until they were raisinets.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. (laughs) I also love raisinets, so.
1: Should we also talk about the bit where he uh, goes to dinner at Cassie's house?
2: Oh. What a scene. That scene was brilliant.
1: It's so amazing.
2: First of all, Cassie, what a wonderful person she is. I know. She's like, oh, Axe is lonely. I'm going to bring him into my house to have I dinner know. with my family. And then yeah. she's all supportive.
1: Right. And also, I love that we get a glimpse of what Cassie's family is like. Yeah. That was something that I was missing from her book. And yeah. here you get to see them have, you know, like a <laughs> her nice dad dinner. famous chili. Right. Her dad has she's chili that's to always too spicy.
2: <laughs> you get to see how much her parents totally ship her with Jake. Yes. Yeah.
1: What an intelligent <laughs> young man. Oh,
2: yeah. Her mom is like, you're completely crazy, but still so cute. They love him. They do yeah. love him.
1: Um, yeah. And then he's like... It's his
2: confident chin.
1: <laughs> he's like, yeah, I put habaneros in here. They're, like, really, really spicy or really hot. And then X just like, not as hot as nuclear fusion. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I know. I'm doing so great at small talk. He, like, compliments oh, himself.
2: My favorite small talk moment. Then it was my turn to ask a question. That is how making conversation works. So did you know that the cream separator was invented in 1878? Apparently, they did not know. (laughs) (laughs) And The first time
0: he's making the small talk around the table, he says, I knew what this activity was. This was called making conversation. The rules were that each person (laughs) would ask the other person a question. (laughs) (laughs) And how is your work caring for animals?
1: (laughs) It's delightful. It's so delightful.
0: (laughs) He does such a good job. Although I do feel bad the next time Jake
2: because it's know. family house. He's, He's going to have, have to, eat, have to eat something very spicy and he will not enjoy it, that I think. is making all these problems for Jake. Like, apparently his parents made him go see a therapist after book oh, six. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, they did. Wait, like, yeah, this now I want... It.
1: Can you imagine what how horrible that would be as an anamorph <laughs> having to, like... <laughs> One, lie oh. through your teeth to a therapist, and then also, like, oh. make up some, like, plausible reason for why you have PTSD that That'd isn't, so like, the sad. fact that you're in the secret war.
2: You would definitely not be able to get any kind of actual therapy. No, It would be so painful. Whew.
1: Oh, boy. That took a turn.
2: Yeah. Well, we can take it back by talking about how Axe wants to know why Cassie's dad removed much of the hair from his head.
1: Yes. Yeah, his it's like his hooves are going
2: dull. Yeah. yeah. Very relatable. Yeah. Also, this wonderful, wonderful quote. Humans have very odd tastes. They think their music is beautiful. They are wrong. It is awful. All of it. All of it. And they completely <laughs> ignore their greatest accomplishments. The cinnamon bun, the Snickers bar, the hot pepper, and the refreshing beverage called vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. so gross.
1: Though so it does kind of make me... Uh, like, I don't have a great tolerance for spicy food or whatever, but I do kind of wish I could morph, eat a bunch of spicy food, and oh. then morph out, and I wouldn't have to have, like, an upset stomach for the rest of
2: the day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Axe was probably really glad he could morph out. It seemed yeah. like his stomach was making some noises. He yeah. was, like, weeping. Still the chili. <laughs> Cassie has to stop him. I, we did get a little bit of insight into Cassie and Jake, and that Cassie is not willing to confess to other people that there's anything going on there mm-hmm. but they do hold hands which is adorable and she has a
1: picture of jake in her yes. locker
2: <laughs> and she looks either sick or embarrassed x can't tell which one yeah. and jake is just smiling at her
1: oh right it's adorable and, right and like x calls her on the holding hands and she's like you weren't supposed to see that <laughs> <laughs> so cute
0: I think he says to her, I'm no expert on humans, but I believe Prince Jake has a special affection for you.
2: Aww. Cassie laughed quietly.
0: I doubt it. I'm just a friend and a fellow animorph.
2: <laughs> then why do you this sometimes adorable. intertwine your fingers? <laughs> intertwine your fingers. Yeah. And, then,
1: and then at school, Jake is also, like, right there, right? So when she's looking at the floor embarrassed, he's, like, grinning at her because <laughs> he knows. He's very
2: happy, yeah. yes. They're the cutest. They're Both couples are the cutest. It's great.
1: But Cassie is horsing around, literally, and she does it a lot, right? Oh, Axe comes across true. her when she's demorphing from a horse, and she's like, don't tell Jake, <laughs> right? Man, this is so like they're a very really, thing. They're really yeah. enabling this, like, Cassie kind of is, goes off on her own and does these weird, Cassie like, Cassie is guilty about the things. amount that
2: she morphs and doesn't want Jake to know. Right, right. And sees Jake as, like, the morph police.
0: I am glad that she is still continuing to get some joy out of the morphs, because mm. we talked mm-hmm. about, I don't know if it was the last time, the time before, but that... Some of her, um, some of what's been so interesting about this is that the morphs are universally horrible in terms mm-hmm. of what happens to them, but that they weren't really getting any joy out of it anymore because mm-hmm. it was so stressful, all the things they had to do. So I'm glad that she is still getting joy out of this ability yeah. that she can just go
2: run as a horse. And mm-hmm. Axe got a lot of joy, although he also, it seemed like it was really complicating matters for him when he was in Human Morph, um, in that he had like adrenaline and all of these... I was wondering how much he was scapegoating the human host body I when he was, moment. like, upset and, like, angry and scared and frustrated. And he was like, it would have been easier in my Andalite body. And I'm like, "What? it? <laughs> Maybe. <But laughs> Maybe. That, that
1: kind of plays into what you were saying about it. he feels, like, more himself when he's out of his Andalite he body. He can, like, be right? free. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. it was interesting, the glimpse of him we get on the bridge in that opening scene Is very different than I feel like how he portrayed, how he be like, how he comports himself around the animorphs. Like he's first of all, dude, learn how to thought speak. You're like, I don't know, a teenager. (laughs) Right. Even (laughs) Andalite
1: teens are just like way too loud.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they should not have had him on the bridge in the first place. It's
0: it's an interesting scene because he's. We talked before about how he seems to be just the kid that they kind of had to bring along, Mm -hmm. and yup. It's unclear why he's there. None of the other cadets are there.
2: Mm-hmm. He's the
0: only cadet around, and is it because he gets to go off with his brother?
2: Like that's nice, but also yeah, you but are useless. weird. Like why? Why did his brother
0: why do this? He, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all very confusing.
2: The the bit later where he was talking about how he, uh, you know, he studied this stuff in school, but he never really paid attention. He only paid attention to the war stuff because like warriors are supposed to be well rounded, but he was never interested in any of that. Right. We had so. We have had a discussion about which Harry Potter house everyone would be in. I'm not sure when we're going to share that with the world, but let me just say Gryffindor. <laughs>
1: I was about to say something. A hundred percent.
2: Like, we were a little bit on the fence, but no, a hundred percent Gryffindor. Yep. Like, he sort of has... Yeah, seems like he might be in Ravenclaw because he knows all this stuff, but it's not because he's interested in it. It's just because Andalites have much more advanced technology, so it's just like background knowledge for him. He is not interested in that. He is interested in fighting. Right. And and Alfangor
1: is such a Gryffindor, too. I thought it was really interesting that he comes across as kind of this like hotshot pilot and less so. Because, I mean, now we know (laughs) Prince. like the noble figure. Right. Prince just kind of means like, you know, captain or something. Like there are a lot of princes and Mm -hmm. then a few more princes or whatever, right? But like. He comes across as like this really noble figure, mm-hmm. tragic figure, and he's like crashed. And he's like, well, this is the last thing that I can do is to mm-hmm. like bring this yeah. gift to you all. And then was... you realize just like hours before that, he's like, yeah, gonna go burn some slugs. <laughs> like, see you, <ya>, bro. <laughs> and they tail five. and
2: <laughs> Tail five.
1: They, that is here. what
2: it is. They Yeah, do but
1: by, it, it just yeah. really recontextualized who Elfangor was. He's not like this mythical guy. He's just like a yeah. He's you
2: know he's not very he's he's got some Han Solo in his Yoda there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent reference. Yeah, Ax is also surprisingly,
0: as we have not seen so far, mm-hmm. Ax is actually pretty good at the recognizing people's emotions and relationships. Mm-hmm. So he has that thing about Cassie and Jake, and. He knows what those, that physical gesture means. As I That's th- true. think he might not have before. Um, he also has all of these thoughts about kind of loneliness. Cassie's in her house. Marcus in his. Mm-hmm. Rachel and Jake. We don't. I don't have a home. Tobias doesn't have a home. Like the right. two of them have to become friends. Yeah. He also very briefly, as he's talking, thinking about Tobias. He asks Tobias to keep a secret. He says, Will you keep a secret? Even from Prince Jake. Even from Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, Very
2: perceptive. He up he he knows. Knows what's and like Marco
1: we think doesn't know at this point, right. but Axe knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well no. he does spend more time he does spend more time with Tobias. Sure.
2: It's true. The shorm thing is what? the cutest thing yeah. in the entire world.
1: <laughs> I love it.
2: What a great concept.
1: Do you want to explain shorm? Oh,
2: yeah. So apparently shorm is the word for tailblade, I think they said. Mm-hmm. And if if someone is your shorm, it means that you would trust them to hold their tailblade to your throat and not be afraid that they would hurt you. It's
1: basically your BFF. Yeah. No secrets. It's your Andalite BFF. Deepest friend.
2: And he is upset because he can't be shorms with Tobias because he has this secret that he has to keep as an Andalite. And, uh, and then he ends up telling everyone, and then they can be really awesome friends and, and be there for each other. And that's the,
1: right, it's the heartfelt moment it ends on, right? Mm-hmm. And, it's like, and he, he even says, like, I feel like we're shorm sure now, even though neither of us can, like, smile. I oh, yeah, tell. can I read that? Yeah, it's, please.
2: Neither I nor my shorm Tobias is capable of smiling, but just the same, there are times when we look at each other and understand each other and smile. <laughs> Which is also a very human reference, now that I think about it, actually. Smiling wouldn't be an Andalite thing, exactly. As yeah, people, that's so true. Yeah, they don't, they really smile smiling. with their eyes. Yeah, so he's, he's using this human sign of like friendship and happiness and, and affection.
1: It's so interesting how that pivot for him happens once he reestablishes contact with the Andalites. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he he really feels mm-hmm. like at a remove. And almost immediately when he's talking to the Andalite generals, he's like, wait, the humans aren't so bad. Wait, Elfanger <laughs> gave them stuff. and Actually, we are putting up a good resistance. You know, Earth isn't lost. And then by the end of the book, he has fully embraced, like, I'm, I've totally defected. I'm going to help them as much as I can. You know, humans forever. Let's it's go. It's
2: interesting. It's sort of the, like, absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. Like, he can't. Yeah. He doesn't he realize how separate, close he's come to them. He can't separate himself from the Andalites when he has no way to contact them. He like wants that connection, but as soon as he has that connection, he's like, "Nope,
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: humans. I'm here with them." Yeah. Although I think a lot of it is too about the content of the conversation. Yes,
0: because the that conversation is so interesting. He they he connects to basically seems like war headquarters right mm-hmm. and there's a some lieutenant in charge of communications like how did you get this number <laughs> and then goes and gets the general and he he talks to the general and the, this is the or not the general the great
2: war leader Prince. is, that what he is?
0: great leader i believe he's a great leader so maybe so he's like an elected but in charge of the army and the, the things that he says are are Quite hurtful, I think, to Ax. Yeah. He talks about how you know useless the humans are, and how much Alpha Angor should not have given them this morph. And don't you know what the problem is here? And and all this sort of information, which I think is you know was good information for him to get, but was like really hard to hear. And also, I there is a bit in the book that makes me think. The Yerks have already infiltrated the Andalite homeworld. Oh, yeah. And I think that the great war leader dude is a Yerk.
2: Okay, but I feel like that weakens the sort of what the book is saying about Andalites and about people and civilizations. Because like, I don't think he's a Yerk. I don't think he's a controller. I don't think it's that he's sabotaging the Andalites because he's actually against them. I think he's just kind of self-righteous, thinks this is the way that it has to be, and that that's sort of a problem that seems to plague the Andalites, that they take on too much responsibility, don't give enough credit to other species, are really paranoid about what other species would do if they had any power. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I, it's possible, but I kind of don't want to believe that because I, I find it more interesting like what this says about the Andalites
1: but you wonder i mean it's almost directly said that there's something rotten on the andalites yes Andalite no that world. is true right yeah. so whether it's direct infestation of other andalites or something some other influence mm. that we have yet to discover i think there's something there
0: yeah it'll be interesting to see how that turns out i think there's we learned so much about the andalites in this book which is great yeah. because i had, you know i let's had
1: talk that. about all the background
2: so much we get all Zero's problems. kindness,
0: Zero's kindness. Did you I see love that, that coming? Phrase. What it meant? Yeah. <laughs> I did not know exactly nice. what it meant. So I actually, when they first mentioned it, I tried to think of what it was going to mean, uh, and my prediction was the Andalite tried to be friends with the Yurk, and that's how yeah. Viser Three got to be an Andalite. Oh. And then my other prediction was maybe that's how they learned they could take over other beings, mm. other than the Ged. And it's not either of those. It's definitely about sharing technology. But it's the, Ciro's kindness is basically the primary objective, but like tech-based and not just contact-based. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you can't share your technology with these lesser civilizations mm-hmm. because
2: look what happened with the Yerks.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: not quite the same as the Prime Directive, though, because I think Marco maybe is the one who's, or so, I forget, sorry. Maybe Tobias says it. Uh, one of them says that, like, well, you know, the Yerks are already interfering. Because, like, the Prime Directive is all, like, you can't interfere with, like, the natural evolution of the culture, species, whatever. And in this case, the Yerks are already interfering, the Andalites would have the right to interfere. This is more fear-based. Like, the Prime Directive is very much like, we want you to evolve in the way that you should. At least, I don't know, I've only seen the original series, but that's, like, kind of where it seems to be. And this is more like... Don't give them technology; they'll probably take over the galaxy, which is a totally different take right. and like much so more superior fear-based. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Although it did answer a question that I had in an earlier episode about how a bunch of slugs got
2: this far in the galaxy. Yeah. So, the Andalites did that.
1: They got a lot of help. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's such like it's so tragic because like what a great thing to do for mm-hmm. those slugs. And I thought it was interesting at the end. It was positioned as like. You chose the wrong species. Should have given that to humans. We're cool. Really skeptical of that. Humans <laughs> have a lot of problems. Yeah, Marco, that's a really nice thought, but you are incorrect, sir. I <laughs> mean, me, I think Alfinker was right to give it to this group of five humans. They're doing a great job. They're a very functional group, as we talked about in episode seven. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, so they're doing the right thing. But
1: After this book, Gray, I assume you still like X. Has your relationship to Andalites overall changed?
0: Yeah, it really is different now. It actually gives a whole other... Um, aspect to the elemist in book seven mm-hmm. talking about how oh an andalite showing humility i was very down on the elemist for that but actually it <laughs> um, yeah quite correct super legit. and and this idea that they're very self-righteous and condescending and kind of dumb a bunch of the time and in, in terms of their um culture and their sort of military aspects um I also... Yeah, it's just really interesting to all of the, the things that we learn and the way that they're supposed to keep things secret and private. And it's just really interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I love how um, the bit at the end when they come together as a team and talk about what's really important to them,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm, um, yeah. And
1: so they all... The humans are all like, we care about freedom the most. And Axe is like... Freedom. At the end of the day, analytes also care about that the most. But... <laughs> He's, he's been burdened by this, like, you can't break the law of Zero's kindness, and you have to follow this warrior code. And then he's carrying this huge shame of his entire planet, basically. Mm-hmm. And he when he explains it, him. right yeah. the humans are like, oh, yeah, well, you know, just because it didn't work out doesn't mean you have to give up, right?
2: Yeah. Um, and I it's love-
1: even... It just even though they're struggling with this themselves about how the consequences of the Candrona being destroyed mm-hmm. are bad, right? It, they they eventually, in this yeah. different situation, come back again to like, well, but bad things happen and there's still hope.
2: Yeah. Yes. That's right. It's the hope thing again. We've seen yeah. it in the last four books or something. And it's, it's so strongly here again. And I, I love how in book six we saw sort of humans slash the philosophy of these books positioned against the Yerks. Like the Yerks, if they see something's hopeless, they'll give up. They won't keep fighting. Humans will keep fighting, even if it doesn't seem like they have a chance. And here it's more about doing sort of the kind, brave, maybe stupid thing where the Andalites have decided, nope, never doing that again. And then Cassie's take on it is you don't, act, you don't stop hoping just because it doesn't always work out. You get more careful, you get wiser maybe, but you keep hoping. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, we have the, the hope coming through again and now positioning this sort of the Animorph's philosophy against the Andalites. Yeah, mm-hmm. so
1: can we talk a little bit about Viscera 3's host?
2: Oh. Uh, yes, He's How did you feel about
1: this, Gray? Okay.
0: Axe, I understand that this is a very difficult situation and I sympathize. Kill the damn Andalite. Yeah. Just, you are making a really bad decision. He asked you to do it. It will be better for everyone. My dude, kill the Andalite while you have the chance. Give him a merciful death. You have all had the conversation about how it's better to die than be a controller. And you have the opportunity to gift this to this poor Andalite. Mm -hmm. And you know, you just walk away. Leave him to the torture of rattlesnake poison and being eventually infested again. Kill the Andalite, my dude.
2: I got a little bit why. Because, like, what he says to the Andalite homeworld later, he's like, I have a message for his, for Alleran's wife. Like, he's still, he's still hoping. He's still hoping for freedom. And I can see why, given the message of the book and like, you know, choosing hope, Axe doesn't want to kill him when there's a chance for hope. But, like, he's asking you to, you, He, like, he should have killed him. He's begging. Yeah. And
1: right after that, he quotes, give me liberty or give me death.
2: Yeah. Right? should have given him death. You can't give him liberty. And the weird thing was that there wasn't even a debate about it. Like, they're all there. Like, no one's like, hey, maybe you should kill him, like he asked.
1: But I think it's, I mean, it's, it's set up a little bit. I... It, it would have been interesting to hear that conversation. But yeah. Tobias is at least like you can't kill someone in cold blood. And we talked about the animorphs. Although
2: Tobias was like killing him in cold blood. I'm not judging. It's
1: right. just a little
2: different than saying you can't do it. Right,
1: but I think we've we were just talking about the animorphs have killed people before, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think that they've ever executed anyone before.
2: Uh, they killed like a hundred Yurks.
1: No, but like in this kind of situation, right? Like they have someone who's their prisoner. And that You're right. You know, yes. you're totally right yeah. about the, the jacuzzi. They, they don't see the yurks as... They didn't contextualize
2: as, it that way, but they did do it. Right, mm-hmm. right. And it's it's a thing you see. This isn't quite and the it's, same.
1: It's an individual person you know again, and not just, yeah. like, a bunch of nameless yurks in a bowl.
2: It's a thing you see in, like, action movies or whatever, like, you know, the superheroes, like, you know, killing all the min- minions, kill every minion, and then gets to the, the villains. like, I won't kill you because I would sink to your level. It's like, really? You just killed, like, 15 people to get to this person. Like... Mm-hmm.
0: It's a really good point, and it's also... I actually... It took, I had to reread the end of that chapter several times because I assumed that he was going to kill him.
2: Right, because he should Cause have. he should have, yeah. and then
0: instead he says, I knew the next time I saw this face, it would once more be the face of my enemy, the abomination, viscer three. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why, when why, are you going to see is, him again? Yeah, he why? Gonna... <laughs> and I was like, oh, you're... What? <laughs> I'm very upset about it.
1: But I think there's something... It's like, it's so, so sad, but uh, Aloran, the the Visitor 3's host, is like, all he wants to do is send a message home, Mm -hmm. and then he says, I have a wife, I have two children, someday tell them I still hope, tell them I still have love for them, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got, he's been he's been trapped for years and years and he still is kind of thinking maybe i'll see them again one day
2: can see why ax doesn't kill him after that even though he probably still should Mm -hmm.
0: yeah what a crazy i mean you know again we we talked a bunch of the first few books about the stakes being raised Mm -hmm. and i think they're pretty much as high as they're going to get right the entire world is going to be destroyed the galaxy is being taken over but they're still managing to, the authors are managing to create these characters whose death or control feels very meaningful, even though so many other mm, individuals mm-hmm. are being controlled. And I yeah. think that's really impressive. I mean, I thought this this war prince was a fantastic character, even though we have seen him for all of 30 seconds and (laughs) now he's back to being viscer three i mean it's crazy
1: right and you just it really drives home viscer three is this cartoonish darth vader-esque villain Mm -hmm. who has like dumb sayings and this Mm -hmm. fear-based leadership and gets into squabbles with viscer one and morphs weird things and like loves tigers for some reason (laughs) all cats loves all cats super over the top Mm -hmm. and then like you don't even think about it until this moment who who is that Andalite? You know yeah. the one, the person that got taken over, mm-hmm. and then to immediately have him kind of pop off the page in three dimensions is like it's really good. it really reminds you. Mm-hmm. You know every every Hork-Bajir has oh. has a story, right? And they're just kind of these like mindless shock troops here. There's I mean, they 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 bring up the Hork-Bajir a couple of times as mm-hmm. like I mean, and we I lost the Hork-Bajir, yeah. yeah. And there there there's a we get into that a lot. more. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout yeah. the course of the series, but Good. I thought it's really excited. interesting that, That's that great. even here they're bringing it up.
2: The um, the Three, just being so cartoonishly evil, like I feel like that got to a new level in this book where, Axe like in, in the prologue, like no one's seen the blade ship yet, no one knows it's there, but he feels the evil creep over him. I'm like, does he? What is the like the aura situation that happens it's here so with Visor Three?
0: Well, the thing about Axe is he can hear the theme music. For when bad guys are coming, <laughs> so he just gets that right away. Yeah.
2: So speaking of that, actually, I was really curious about how thought speech works because if you can speak to someone's mind, would you use words to do it? Like, do they have like a verbal language, and to what extent is it like strictly verbal versus a mix? Like, he does make reference to like human language is confusing because words can mean different things. So clearly, Andalite language is somehow clearer, I guess, because you're sending a thought. Right. Which also brings me to the question.
0: Why do the Andalites speak English? I think we might find out more about that later. Because unless they have babblefishes, then they should be thought speaking to one another in Andaliteese. Oh, I mean, I think they are. No, but then how is Axe okay. talking to the humans?
1: Yeah, there are some other there are some questions. Yeah, there might be there might be a babblefish thing coming later i don't actually remember i don't specifically
2: i I, i'm pretty sure we get an explanation of this
1: but it could also be that all life forms andalites yurks humans dolphins and whales and every other sentient species in their brains speaks a universal language (laughs) right there's a lot of like cross species communication happening here yurks seem to be able to infest anything no matter its biology so like
2: i bet actually thought speech is like translingual or something or like panlingual because Visser 3 like shouts to everyone in the same like
1: and bringing it back around I think it it can't be a strictly linguistic thing because the only thing that makes sense to me about why Visser 3 goes with dread everywhere is that he is harnessing (laughs) the power of thought speech to send emotions right so basically constantly he's like I have this sweet andalite brain and I'm just going to be constantly sending out these awful, awful emotions to every this creature is that is around me. the best explanation I've ever right? heard And of so this. even through space, like his ship oh. shows up and he's just like, Welcome to my evil brain. I'm going to make you feel really bad about yourself.
2: In space, everyone can hear Vizzer 3 scream. <laughs> I love this. That's a really good theory. Yes. No, I, I that's, yeah, that's my canon now. Okay, mm-hmm. great. That explains so much. Speaking of Andalites. There's a scene where Axe is going to sleep. He relaxes his tail. He closes his main eyes. He doesn't close his stock eyes. What? Does he not have How did I not pick up on this? He doesn't specifically say, I did not close my stock eyes. But he says, specifically says that he closes his main eyes. Gray, are you looking it up? I am. I okay. Don't really remember Okay.
0: Oh, leaving only my stock eyes open.
2: What? Oh, okay. It's even okay. more specific than yes, I thought. Yes.
0: I, I found a quiet place and prepared to sleep. I closed my main eyes, leaving only my stock eyes open to look for danger. I
2: relaxed my tail until it touched the ground. Okay. So we don't know that he was going to leave them open all night, but...
1: I think <sighs> that... I think you're right. The stocks don't have eyelids. I retract my theory from before. Unfortunately, that means antelites are always terrifying, because they're always staring
2: somewhere.
0: (laughs) Which also brings us back very briefly to the cover of these books. Oh, yeah. Because you can see their stock eyes being very terrifying and very different from the humanoid-ish eyes. I also would like to point out, I never saw this cover before... We started this, and it's Mm -hmm. a good thing too because it totally would have spoiled the premise, which surprised me (laughs) because it is called the alien, and there is an alien on the cover. (laughs) That's a good point.
2: You would have known that there were aliens. I would have assumed, yeah. But no,
0: the eyes are
2: very creepy. Oh yeah, those are those are super. Is this
1: anything like what you thought an
2: andalite would look like? Eh. It's furrier than I feel like I picture them.
0: The legs are all wrong. The back legs look more like kangaroo legs and the front legs are too thin for its body, and the tail is not a scorpion tail.
2: <laughs> I don't like any of it. I mean, it's Also, line, but... that kid is white. Just saying. Yeah. Axis Human Morph is not white. Nope.
0: Yeah. It's a very weird alien thing.
2: I realize we already talked about the popcorn, but just going back to it, I didn't read this. And the flavor. It reminded me of a food called pizza, but there was just a hint of cigarette butts, which I also enjoy. Although Prince Jake had told me never to eat cigarette butts again. They are bad for you. See, I've
1: never eaten a cigarette butt, but somehow that description rings true to me.
2: That <laughs> it's slightly like popcorn. The, the popcorn yeah. is like pizza with a little cigarette butt. I think old, stale popcorn, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Movie yeah. theater,
1: stale movie theater popcorn. Yeah. yeah. It's
2: like... Seems right. Mm-hmm.
0: Other things we learn about the Andalites, uh, we get a little bit more of their language. Yeah. So they have word, there's a word that means cadet. Soldier. Uh-huh. Jenny used it earlier. Yes. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend to pronounce any of these. There's a word that means someone who is a person trapped in a morph. Tobias and is not this. Not lit. Yeah. Not lit. And then there is a word for people who are naturally very good at morphing, like Cassie. So Cassie is one of these... She's an estrine. Estrines. Exactly.
2: Yeah. I I remember my Andalite Andalite vocabulary.
1: I'm so happy that I can use the word nophilin now because it's come (laughs) up multiple times where I want to be like, and nophilin's like Tobias. Oh, wait, we don't know
0: that yet. Aw, thank you for not spoiling that. It was nice to have a word for it.
2: Yeah. I really was intrigued by the way... Axe kept being like, I was expecting Tobias to ask if he could ever change back. But he didn't ask, so I didn't say anything. Devastating. And Axe never says... There is no way for him to change I know. back. I
1: It's keeping us in suspense, too. But you
2: also have to kind of assume if he had a way, wouldn't he tell him?
1: Right.
0: Like, no. that's okay. He says he wouldn't volunteer that information. He's waiting for him to ask. And I have a note that says, is it possible for Tobias to morph back? Stop messing with my emotions, in all
2: caps, because I'm very upset <laughs> about this. As we've learned, it's important to maintain hope. So... Just saying. <laughs> Sometimes blindness is helpful.
1: But also... I just imagining for a second what Tobias is going through I think the reason why he doesn't ask is because he would rather he would rather not have that door closed
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. He'd like, yeah. The,
1: you know if it came up and the answer is sorry you're bird forever then yeah, it's going to be a lot yeah. harder to go on
2: mm-hmm. it's good to have that kernel yeah. another antelite thing they seem like every time they morph, they just fall over. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible system. Well, it seems like every time Axe morphs, he falls over. Yeah.
0: But that's because Axe is a klutz even when he's an easy. As we learned <laughs> oh, in the yeah, beginning at the of beginning. this.
2: yeah, oh, But
1: he it's did true. he like throw a rock at the general or something? Like he did something that uh, was embarrassing to old hoof and tail. Yeah, Which the is
2: like. a hilarious nickname. Is that like old leg and sword? <laughs> 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 so,
0: that's, so he says that out loud, and the general hears his uh, mm-hmm. perhaps yeah. slightly mocking nickname. But the reason that this uh, captain already doesn't quite like him is because <laughs> he, crashed he, cra- <laughs> he ran into the captain so hard he'd fallen over and ended up bruising one of his stock eyes. That's
1: what it was. <laughs> yes.
0: So
2: X is isn't great at body.
1: That's true. Yeah. That's a really good point.
2: Just on the morphing thing where, I mean, he always falls over when he morphs into a human. But also when he's morphing into the snake, my legs simply melted away, withered, disappeared. I fell to the ground, a legless stump. I'm now picturing him standing, you know, an andalite. The legs just vanish and he just goes clunk. <laughs> like,
0: Luckily he was sitting on the floor when it happened. I don't think he... Was what? it not that one? One of them works. No. He talks about how it's good that I was already sitting because I was super close to the ground.
2: Oh, no, I think right. this one, no, because it doesn't seem like Andalites sit Well, or lie they down. sit as humans, and the reason yes. that we know that is because,
0: as as he points out, uh, the way that sitting works is it involves bending your body and resting on the fat deposits halfway <laughs> down the back <laughs> of your body.
2: It's so nice that he is explaining to the Andalites who are going to be reading this what sitting is.
1: A couple other things about Andalites. They live for centuries, uh, which jumped oh, out at me. Oh, I
2: miss that. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And so that it puts, I kind of, I wonder what the, like, range of years for this whole Ciro thing is. Like, are we talking, oh. like, millennia ago? Mm. Or, like, what is, I don't you know, the years know, haven't
2: gone that could,
1: far. I know, but, but like, reality. or is it, like, 300 years, but is that, like, somebody's grandfather? Like, mm-hmm. it opens up a lot of questions mm-hmm. about, like, is Ciro still out there?
0: Well, because it is somebody's grand—not somebody's grandfather, but grandfather—in terms of the hierarchy within the Yurks, right? Because Lirum, who is the now the grand great leader, right, mm-hmm. head of
1: the council mm-hmm. or something,
0: was a cadet under oh, Cera, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah, so, so, right. There, so right, so
1: right. It's the it's it's yeah, one okay. or it's two, generations two generations at most, away. yeah. But mm-hmm. how many hundred years? Who right. knows?
0: And although I thought when Ax said that he. He said, even if I do live to be a, to two, to be two hundred, so that maybe two hundred was possible, but oh, okay. kind of a long long. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe
2: how we would talk about like if I live to be a hundred, right. yeah. Right.
0: So maybe this is this has all happened yeah. in the last two hundred years.
1: He also addressed briefly that it is very difficult to be able to morph clothing. Mm. Right. So he doesn't <laughs> yes. explain that he doesn't or say explain that, that the at animals all. could do it, right? But he does at least say that this thing where he can morph into a human and somehow his you know, have have DNA clothes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Uh, speaking of the morphing clothing, the first time he uh, does the human, I think it's the first time he does the human morph, um, he, he forgets about clothes until he is most of the way through the morph. <laughs> and then he manages to add them in. And then he manages to add them in, which is an interesting thing to know about the morphs, but also means that he was just naked for most of that until Rachel
2: told him to put clothes on. Yeah, they're getting more comfortable with each other's bodies. Yeah, so. Or at least he doesn't pick up on their discomfort because he's mm-hmm. busy falling over. Also, that.
1: I wonder how Jake and Marco feel about that.
2: I wonder too. They're. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good question.
1: <laughs> I bet the girls turned away.
0: <laughs> she makes a face at him. She, uh, she says, hey, hey, clothing, Rachel said. Clothing, don't forget the morphing suit acts. <laughs> very funny.
2: <laughs> you can add it in pretty late then. That's kind of weird. It, yeah.
0: um, that is another very gross morph, by the way, him turning from an andelite into a human. Mm-hmm. The first thing I felt was a slipping, melting, almost sickening feeling as my internal organs began to shift around. I heard a grinding sound from inside my body as my spine began to shorten.
1: Yeah, it's not great. Stop it. There was one other interesting thing that I said. I, 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 this line, I don't know totally what to make of it, but I love it. He, When he's on his um, Death Wish mission to assassinate Visor 3, he gets into this state where he's like running through the forest, mm-hmm. and then he is describing nature as he's running through it, and then he says, I ran past trees that did not speak, like oh. the trees of my own world.
2: He's an elf. <laughs> trees talk?
1: No, no, no. Like the trees of my own world. So he's, he's noting...
2: The, the trees in his dome talk to him. I think that he's saying that, like...
1: Oh, I just read it. Yeah. I read it as the opposite way. I thought he was saying trees don't speak because the trees on our world also don't speak, and it's a similarity. <laughs> no. But you can read it the other way, yeah. which is that unlike... Why would he bother the, mentioning that? The sentence that? should be, I ran past trees that did not speak unlike The Trees of My Own World, which yeah, do speak, Yeah,
2: it's right? I feel like it's a grammatical ambiguity. But, like, why would he bother mentioning it if the tree's on his home world? Well, that's world?
1: why I thought it was interesting because yeah. there are trees out there that talk but not on the Andalite home world.
2: No, but I think right. yeah, that. I'm,
1: I'm now even more confused than I was before I brought this <laughs> up. When we get to the Andalite home world, if we ever get so there, there are we'll ants see if they're on the talking trees. Yeah. I
0: can't wait. There's one thing that I um, thought was interesting about this book is Acts... X's inability to read social cues <laughs> and to act in a way that we might consider sort of normal. Um, I wondered if nowadays that might be something that would be helpful for um, kids on the autism spectrum. Oh, yeah. That there's something about not. Or being even happy. then. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking, like, if it were written nowadays, maybe this would be a something that it would, would be called. More deliberate. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but that, like, reading Tobias as someone a trans. Kid might be able to connect with. Maybe this is something. Yeah, I not think just you're kid
1: right. Kid There's yeah, totally some there.
2: Though I will point out that it turns out Andelites wink, so that is one social cue he should be able to pick up on if it ever happens. <laughs> oh, does that
1: happen in the like the prologue? <laughs> yes, the yes. Ring? And oh. Andalite
2: winks at him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It is sort of an interesting contrast between what we see of Axe when he's the only Andalite and needs to stand in for Andaliteness mm-hmm. versus what we see. And he's among other Andalites, and like they can each have their own personalities.
1: Mm-hmm. So what did you make of the yerkes in this book, especially uh, Eslin?
2: yes. Yerks can love. That's what I wrote in my notes. I wrote that too. <laughs> yeah. Temrash was so wrong, or well, Jake, was wrong Jake was wrong to wrong. interpret so based on Temrash. Though
1: Eslin doesn't use the word love. No. He says, um, I don't no know only, if he like uses... He's the only
2: being who matters to me, the only being I care about. Does he about? use a
1: gendered pronoun?
2: She, he calls... Okay, well, he—we're assuming is a he because his host is a he. Right. He, I think he does refer to her as her.
1: Okay. Yeah. So he says like, she was the one who understood me the best, Or yeah, most deeply, yeah, or something. Yeah. So it's not quite love, but.
2: I mean, I think maybe it is love, and they just don't have that word. Right. Or he didn't want to right. use that word.
1: Or were they? Was it what they were both human controllers, and then like, you know, mm. it's kind of like a new thing, like taste. You it know. didn't
2: seem like it because it seemed like they were close before they came to the human world and then when they got to the human world she was given a low level post and he was given this important role at the observatory. Right.
1: So when the Kandrona starvation started happening, mm-hmm. she was killed right. off.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way he told that story it made it sound like it's not something that started on Earth for them.
1: And it was fascinating that he I've this wasn't even my notes, but he actually sabotaged the yeah. shuttle. Right. So they they never would have noticed uh, people dying in the streets. Except this, this Yurk was just kind of like furthering furthering their cause unknowingly, right? Yeah, to
2: to uh, quote Tolkien, because we keep talking about Tolkien, uh, the uh, the line I think it's about the orcs, not the Yurks, though very close. Uh, the enemy brings his own enemy with him. This mm. is that kind of thing where, like, because Vistor Three was like ruthless about like, oh, a bunch of these people have to die. Right, but he ended up getting kind of screwed over. I do think
0: it is very mature of this particular year to blame this or three and not the Andalites, mm. because it would be much more much easier to say you destroyed the Candrona, we are all suffering because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, it's. You destroyed the kindrona, Visser yeah. made these decisions, it is his fault that and she
1: died. And it reflects poorly on Visser 3 and Tamarash and the, like, the Yurks that are running the show here on Earth, right? Like, <laughs> if they had a, maybe a different leadership style, they might not face as much yeah. sabotage.
2: I do wonder what role relationships play in Yurk society, because uh, Eslyn doesn't use any, like, not like, she was my, you know pool mate or like my I don't know like he's not like basically she was my equivalent of a spouse like they don't he doesn't reference anything like that do they only have informal connections like is it because they most of them aren't prone to this kind of like romantic relationship or is it because it's discouraged like what is going on there
1: right yeah it's interesting
2: he calls her mine my Durain. yeah just sweet yeah but yeah it's it's a really yeah there's clearly a lot of feeling there, but, like, is it feeling that is recognized within New York society? Mm-hmm. It seems weird that it wouldn't be. Yeah.
1: They came from the same pool, mm-hmm. right? So there's, yeah. so they grew up there's together. some connection, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, it's not like they're... They don't it's it's have like like a relationship. like you know, yeah. my, my mate or whatever. I don't right. know. And it's clearly stronger than the relationship
0: one might have with their other pool mates. Right. It's not just like, yeah, we grew up in the same neighborhood. I knew her. Right. Yeah. He's sabotaging his,
2: <laughs> his own invasion. Right. I, yeah.
0: Which is great. Very helpful. Yeah, it's great. Great for the animals. So, the reason they meet Eslin, the Yerk, mm-hmm. is because Axe is very dumb. So, he shows up <laughs> at Marcus' house, he plays what he thinks is a game, and it turns out I... it's. Just
2: Love that scene. It's so
0: ridiculous. It's <laughs> his dad's like work computer from the observatory where his father works, and he has moved human technology <gasps> oh forward. God. They're talking about the Nobel for Marco's. When Marco's like,
2: no, it was a game. Mark's like, if you say game one more time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's all going downhill, and so he has to go and. Ha, oh, your father designs games for children. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. So great. And then he has to go and, and kind of take it back, which he does by. Erasing the program.
2: Well, first he upgrades the program. I guess then he erases it. He gives it a virus or something? I don't know. It's all. It's a little unclear. I think the virus was to upgrade it so Uh. that he could use it. I don't know if he... I don't know that we really saw when he actually erased it, but... But Presumably he did. It seemed like he was gonna.
0: Hopefully. (laughs) Otherwise... Marco's dad's about to get the Nobel. <laughs> it's
1: a good thing they didn't have, like, you know, cloud backups in the 90s or something, because otherwise Axe's plan wouldn't have, yeah. wouldn't have worked at all.
2: I also just want to mention the scene in Marco's house when Marco Marco's like, yes and no answers only. <laughs> and then Axe just alternates them for the whole conversation with his dad. Yeah. Your friend, no. <laughs> What's That's your name? so good. No. Your name is no, yes.
1: such a good bit it's a weird name isn't it no on top of moving the plot forward it's great
2: (laughs) it was great i remember when i was younger and reading this it took me a while to realize that like oh he's just alternating yes and no that's what's happening there
1: Yeah, it's amazing and the the way the technology comes up is all totally ridiculous (laughs) it, it doesn't really make any sense like he's like oh you know the radio uh, the radio telescope with just a, a few lines of like code, code yeah. I can then like cr- refract the energy back on itself to create a z-space vacuum and then I'll and have focus a, it
2: with my mind right and and, yeah <laughs> like
1: none of it none of that really makes any sense but like fine 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 but <laughs> it's interesting though that then it's not framed as like oh X is like um, really superhuman he's like 50 years ahead or 100 years ahead oh, and, yeah. and, and he notes that humans seem to progress through technological levels at a much more rapid rate than, mm-hmm. certainly than the Yorks mm-hmm. and the Andalites but like than anyone in the universe 60,
0: 60 years to go from flight to space right. flight
1: so so it's it's interesting that he's kind of like
0: from that that
1: perspective (laughs) maybe it's not it isn't actually that hard if you know humans are going to get there in 60 years
2: For see it's already been 20 so (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: right
0: it's been 20 since this it's been almost 60 since the moon oh no yes
2: I know but I mean like he was like in 50 years you'll be doing this I was like oh that's only 30 years from now (laughs) should get on that I also I liked how Z space came back we we were discussing how it would
1: it is the best. It's like any time they need technology, you just wait. Like the word it. It goes Z-space to Z-Space, yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to mention, before we talk about the next book, the really delightful quote in Axis Diary about books, which is just like...
1: It's such good 90s snark. I love it.
2: <laughs> and also very good, like, wait. I am an author of books yes. snark. Yes, <laughs> no, please read it. Please read it. Books are an amazing human invention. They allow instant access to information simply by turning pieces of paper. They are much faster to use than computers. Surprisingly, humans invented books before computers. They do many things backward. (laughs) That's so good. Someone loves books, just saying. Very good. Uh, Speaking of
0: bits from Axe's diary, he also says... You can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, you might. You just might find you get what you need. A famous human named Rolling Stones said that. I
2: thought it was very wise for a human. <laughs> See, he's such an elitist. He's like, they're primitive, but they yeah. can, you know, I begin mean, he to understand. Doesn't, right,
1: he doesn't like music, so it makes sense the nuance would be
2: lost. <laughs>
1: um, so one thing that I thought this book did really well is that putting acts outside the group for a bit... Mm. Um, you don't normally get to see all of the anamorphs off on their own in the same book, but Mm -hmm. here you really have a series of scenes where Axe has a one-on-one conversation with, which with each anamorph at a time. And it's such a fascinating look into the, uh, the group dynamic Mm -hmm. because Jake, um, it starts when Jake first accuses him of like holding back and Mm -hmm. saying like, Oh, why didn't you tell me Tom was in danger? And then, um, Jake sends Marco to kind of, like, get it out of him. <laughs> yeah. And Marco's, like, pretty transparent about Jake knows how to deploy it. his
2: people. Right, right, right,
1: right. But so then Marco's kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, like, take you to a bookstore and you're going to learn about humans, but I'm going to learn some stuff about you, buddy. And then... <laughs> The next day, Cassie is like, hey, why don't you come in and hang out with my family? You know, like, you don't, you just seem really lonely, buddy. Which seems
2: genuine and, like, she's not trying to get information out. But, like, I feel like Cassie's genuine friendship is another thing that Jake is like, this will help. Yeah,
1: and then and then when he talks to to Tobias, he's like, you're my friend, right? And Tobias, without hesitation, is like, yes, I'm your friend and I will keep a secret for you, right? Mm -hmm. And he's just, like, showing, like, I'm going to be straight with you and, like, you can trust me uh, to do the right thing. Um, and then uh, he does not have one-on-one time with Rachel, but Rachel comes in as, like, the group bad cop in the scene where they're like, you need to to decide whether you're going to tell us the secrets or leave uh-huh. forever. And she's just like, this is ridiculous. We're not your toy soldiers, buddy. You know, yeah. And she's, like, really up in his face. But
2: she's also the one, I think the bear is the first creature that comes to his rescue in yep. the meadow. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. This is another one of those cases where... The group decides something that the protagonist doesn't get to be in on. Like they want to do something alone, and the group is like, "Nope, we're gonna back you up, even if we have to do it secretly and sneakily." And we've seen a lot of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, although that is a decision prompted by Tobias, mm-hmm. kind of breaking his promise a little bit. Yeah. Right, and and telling them what he's doing, what Axe is doing, it is an awesome fight scene, though. Yeah, I really like it. So we, he's trying to demorph, and there's a hork bajir. coming in to to kill him. And he hasn't completely demorphed yet. There's nothing I could do but die. And then, whoomph, the Hork-Bajir staggered. His blade arm sliced the air above me. Uh, All right, let's see how I can do this. Roar! A roar, but not the roar of a Hork-Bajir. The Hork-Bajir went flying. Seven feet of deadly, dangerous Hork-Bajir warrior just cartwheeled through the air. And where he had been now stood Rachel in the morph of a grizzly bear. And then she... She growls again and says, oh, man, I love doing that. It's yeah. just such a perfect <laughs> work for Rachel. Yeah. Uh-huh. She loves being the bear. I and love it. Is, like, wonderful. She charges right in and just whacks yeah. the horcourge. I love her.
1: Though, I want to I want to give Tobias credit for his promise-breaking, though, because <laughs> the way that he puts it to Axe is you. Axe was kind of saying, well, Jake, I've taken Jake as my prince, and so, like, you know, I'm really conflicted because when Jake gives me an order, I have to follow it mm-hmm. and Tobias. And he's sort of like, but you're going off on your own. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing a good job of living up, of living my values here. And then I believe Tobias that he was keeping the secret. And then Jake said, Tobias, you better tell me. And Tobias is like, I bet
2: Tobias right. was like, hey, Jake, you want me? You want? Uh, by the way, I know a secret. You better order me to tell you. Right. Jake, tell me to tell you. He like didn't have to fly around with the bloody strips on his talons. He could have gotten those off.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. But I think that it's, um, I don't know. I don't want to turn it into, like, they were doing it to send a message to kids. But, like, I do think it probably is a helpful message to kids. Like, there are often circumstances in which a friend of yours is going to do something really stupid and dangerous, and they're like, don't tell anyone. And, in fact, you should tell someone so that they don't die mm-hmm. or, like, yeah. have other terrible things happen. Like, Axe is basically going to, like commit suicide through battle like mm-hmm. he's yeah. not planning to come out of that alive yeah, yeah. he's
0: planning that, that he will die and yeah. i know that like is a that.
2: circumstance in which you should tell someone mm-hmm. it's a good point
0: yeah yeah Ugh. i can't believe the yerk gets away
2: i know <sighs> slimy little Three. yeah mr
0: yeah. three sorry oh, yes yeah. mr three gets away
1: yeah that that's like what a twist it's like mm-hmm. you didn't even expect that mm-hmm. it just swims into a river and yeah. i guess it makes sense slugs are versatile
2: I don't know. I, I bet Fisher three is a, seems like a paranoid person. I bet he like when he runs, he like makes sure that he's near the stream in case anything happens. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> true. Probably true. Anyway, do we have any other things to say about this one, or should we go on to predicting number nine?
1: What? The what's secret. the secret? It's the secret. It's the secret. The secret.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, let me. Uh...
2: Can't look it up. It's the secret.
0: Which is one of those other titles where, <laughs> really, what's the secret? Is the secret that you can turn into animals? That that's all new. Okay. It's a new secret. Uh, let's see. Okay, so this is, okay, this actually answers one of my questions, which was, this is an axe book that we just read in a place where it should have been a Tobias book. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering whether we would get an extra book in the sequence. Mm-hmm. So the next book would be... Tobias or if we would just skip Tobias entirely we are skipping Tobias entirely
2: yeah how do you feel about that I'm predictably quite angry about yeah it. no I think that's legit hey man it's yeah hey all right that's some BS right there
1: Just like have we thought of another bird plot yet <laughs> nope let's just delay that
0: yeah no I'm not Move a fan on. yeah so instead it is a Cassie book next time the secret she is morphing into the wolf morph on the cover mm-hmm. And the second picture is very bad. The, the third and fourth just look like wolves, but the second one is real bad. All right, uh, The Secret. No place to run, no place to hide. Um, so Cassie is trying to keep Morphing a secret, but also Axe is now living in the woods near her house, so she's also mm-hmm. trying to keep him a secret. And this book is about... Her trying to find a way to keep all of that information from her parents and still help Axe, I don't know, learn
2: something about the Yurks. Okay. I liked it. Do you have any follow-up questions?
1: No, I think that's right.
2: good. Okay, Until next time. Anamorphology episode nine, The Secret. If you want to find us, we are at Anamorphology.com and at Anamorphology on Twitter.
0: Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And don't forget to rate us, review us, and recommend us to your friends.
1: And if you want to read along, you can find a link to the Animorphs ebooks on our website.
2: Okay, that is the creepiest question anyone has ever asked. (laughs)